Now it's time for your hosts, the wonder twins of customer experience, Adam Toporek and Jeannie Walters. Jeannie, you know what we need around here? So many things, but what do you think? A little collaborative harmony. Aww. I think we are pretty, pretty good at our harmonic collaboration. <laughs> oh, wow. That was awful. <laughs> I, You're welcome. I, I laid up the softball for you. <laughs> I know. You're welcome, everybody, for that professional segue. <laughs> yes, I, that, that was most harmonious. Yes. <laughs> All right, we'll try again. Ginny, you know what we need around here? A little bit of rock and roll. Oh, nice. You, that, you bring the rock and roll. Right? I, bring, I try. <laughs> Put it this way. If I'm bringing the rock and roll, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> that's not true. You're you're jamming. It's, it's the yeah, that's like 1953. But <laughs> that's okay. We're we're uh one of us is old and one of us is you, but that's all right. We're here. Ah. Uh, that's the nicest thing you've ever said you to see me. How I, yeah, see how I did that? <laughs> <laughs> Cuz you've learned over the years. <laughs> there are certain lines you don't cross. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Smackdown. <laughs> well, speaking of rock and roll, this was a special episode for me. I actually had an old, longtime friend from college, Alan Schaefer, on the podcast. And he is all about banding people together and creating the collaborative harmony that I am wondering that you and I might need to work on. <laughs> yeah, I think this approach is really going to be interesting for listeners to hear about because he uses techniques of what makes a great band work. What you know, what makes musicians come together and either survive and thrive or not. And he uses those techniques for organizations to really understand how to collaborate better. So it's really, it's a totally different angle than we've ever really talked about before. Well, Jeannie, so it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I know you've never been in a band. So let me just tell you the cardinal rule, which is the band that trashes a hotel room together stays together. <laughs> well, I, I made a behind the music reference. I think that's you know, we could do a behind the podcast series <laughs> behind the podcast <laughs> where it's always got the dramatic dun dun. Yeah, yeah. Then things went sour. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it up. This is going to be more like puppet show and spinal tap puppet show and crack the customer code. <laughs> oh, my goodness. OK. All, right. All the millennials have no idea what we're talking about. The greatest um, <laughs> movie ever made. But that aside, <laughs> let's turn it up to 11 so I can tell you about Alan. You just, du you just doubled down. That was a segue. Good job. All right. <laughs> bring, it, bring it home. Alan Schaefer is the founder and chief executive officer of Banding People Together, a supergroup of behaviorists, strategists, and rock stars who teach people how to be their best selves when working with others. He created Banding's true collaboration framework and methodology, which includes a behavioral instrument called the Collaborative Harmony Index. He has been described as a maestro of human capital excellence and brings his unique perspective as a successful entrepreneur, author, recording artist, songwriter, and consultant to his current work. A few of Banding's global clients include NASA, Netflix, Cisco, ADP, Hilton, ESPN, and Verizon, all mom and pop shops. And after successfully building and selling an online media company, he founded the band Five Star Iris and per performed in 16 countries, including Iraq for U.S. troops, received national airplay, was interviewed in Spin and Billboard, worked with Grammy award-winning producers, and toured with Platinum Acts. 
Alan, thank you so much for joining us here. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Alan, this is a special treat for me. I mean, Jeannie and I have a lot of friends on the podcast. You know, we're we're in this business, speaking, authors, all that. So a lot of these people that come on the podcast, many of them are our friends. But you are a true old school friend all the way back to college for me. So this is truly special. Oh, yeah. Man. This is this has its own thing to it. I, it is. Uh, I woke up pretty uh pretty tickled and smiling today i'm like wow this is this is a get to yeah this is uh, yeah for sure and you know one of the things that's interesting is uh you are a musician we'll talk about that in your bio when we uh you know we talked about that in the bio but i actually jammed with you and i can't remember the name of the bar i sat in with your f- fantastic band what, what's that bar with the levels in atlanta the masquer- it was the, the heaven that's it masquerade <laughs> right so not only are we friends, but I played with your fantastic band. And what is interesting is you were a touring musician, man. You were rocking it. Yes. And now you are rocking it in a completely different way. You've gone from touring musician to helping some of the world's largest brands increase their performance. So tell us about that transition. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I still, It's still hard to fathom when I hear people say that or when it comes out of my mouth. But Essentially, um, the transition started. I started having some issues with the band. Uh, imagine that, you know, some misalignment and trouble in the band. And behind the music. That's right, behind the music. <laughs> and the CEO, a buddy of mine, uh, a CEO of a company called, um, uh, what was the uh, City Search? Yes. Uh, he said, um, you know, there's a book that I think that would help you. And it was Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. And as I'm reading this book, uh, it's a leadership fable, and I'm reading the book, and I go, "Oh my gosh, we're screwed," and it, and, and I, and it's all of them. <laughs> I have nothing to do with this mess. Um, they don't want it as, yeah, they don't want it as badly as I do. They're not as uh, talented. They're not as smart. They're not as all in. And what I didn't realize at the time was it wasn't them. It was really me. And uh, it took years to uh, to figure out. And you know, as the band was sort of waning, I became this really obsessed student of why some bands make it and why other bands fail. And that led me to everything from, uh, you know, self-awareness, leadership development, uh, complexity, team theory, organizational development. Uh, I just became this madman. And, uh, and ultimately that's what led me to start uh, banding people together, really teaching people how to not be who I used to be. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Experience is the do. best teacher for all of us, right? It's too bad that Eagles <laughs> documentary wasn't out like a decade ago. You could have just used that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so this is, I mean, that journey is pretty unusual and very fascinating. And I think one of the things that really intrigued me about what you're doing now, you actually use songwriting as a tool for your clients. And so I'm curious about that. How do you use songwriting in this way? And is it really an effective method for organizational performance? And then does everybody jam at the end? Well, <laughs> what does it look like? So, um, great question. So, when I started out um, after reading the book, uh, I learned about this thing called corporate team building. And I thought, well, you know what? Uh, I could just be another flavor of this team building thing and teach people how to write songs, you know, kumbaya. And, <laughs> and so, um, so that's really how we started. And, um, and really, it was just a, a means for, um, you know, kind of high level alignment, uh, wasn't super deep on skill building, but was, um, you know, pretty effective in terms of getting people just to think a little differently about the collaborative process. 
uh, from there, I had this uh, crazy vision, probably in the middle of the night at some point, that uh, I wanted to be able to measure collaboration on an individual team and organizational level. And so uh, I found a PhD that wasn't too scared to work with crazy band dude. And uh, I call him Doc. Hey, Doc, you got to you got to keep me honest. Uh, you got to help me, Doc. I'm going to sit in front of a bunch of you know executives. And uh, he helped me build what was called the Collaborative Harmony Index. And so we, we really, you know, that's really the behavioral engine and part of this larger true collaboration methodology that we developed. But the songwriting piece, you know, the songwriting thing is really interesting. What we do in our sessions is we're, skill, we're teaching very particular skill building, collab, like collaborative skills and how to create uh, the optimal conditions, much like a, a producer would do with a band. Uh, mm-hmm. the right amount of challenge, the right amount of healthy conflict, uh, a place where everyone has a voice, uh, can contribute, uh, we maximize contribution. But ultimately, what that songwriting thing is, besides fun and cool, it's actually an alignment exercise. So if you think about the idea of like 20 or 30 or even 35 people writing a song together in 90 minutes, like that is, that's actually unthinkable. And I think um, is welcoming skepticism. And yeah, as a, as a musician, I could say that sounds either really fun or like a slice of hell. I'm just not sure. Yeah. Which. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, and, and, and we kind of bank on the idea that people are coming into it going, wow, this is a slice of hell. Uh, and because, you know, our, our brains go straight to that. Wow. Too many cooks in the kitchen. We're, we're going to spin. It's going to be a nightmare, but because of the conditions that we create and the, really the awareness that we're creating in that process, it is helping people align around something and taking a, an incredible amount of divergent views and converging in real time so it's rapid alignment. And once someone has experienced that and we've, you know, this whole music centricity thing of what we do, it's, you know, I don't want to say it's sinister because sinister sounds bad uh, and I don't want to sound like Dr. Evil, but, you know, we, we kind of borrow the limbic brain where emotion and long-term memory lives. And so people... So it's really bridging that gap between those people that are hardwired and hardwired in a way that makes sense and ultimately is repeatable. Interesting. Maybe Adam and I should write a song together. I like it. <laughs> I believe the children yes. are the future. Oh, wait, that one's already been written. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, funky customer Kadena or something. I don't know. <laughs> I dig it. Dig well, it. I, look, I did wow. the crack the customer code theme song. You, you're, the next one's on you, Janie. Pull your That's pull your true. weight around here, please. That's true. Yes. So, so I will. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Um, you know, we do. It's funny. We have clients that when they go through this, have this light bulb moment and go, "We we need to do this with our customers." And so they've actually tied us. We've had organizations tie us into a larger strategic account management uh, strategy. Wow. Where literally they are writing songs with their uh, customers and then actually getting the behavioral data through that experience so that they can engage with their customers in the way that they want to be engaged uh, because they know how they're wired behaviorally. Well, yeah, you know, I was going to ask about the whole customer part of this. So how, how do they make that pitch? Like, okay, hey, customers, um, we don't want to bother you. We'd like you to come in for a songwriting session. Like how, how, well, how, how does this process work? Well, it's a, it's a little more, uh, uh, nuanced, <laughs> nuanced, but, but what I will tell you, uh, it's basically, Hey, well, with one client, it was, uh, we got 
uh, our curriculum accredited for their industry. So essentially, they go, okay, come on in, hang out with a bunch of rock stars. Uh, we're going to have it at a great, fabulous place with great food and drink. And you're going to uh, write a song and learn stuff that's actually going to be important and valuable to you. And, uh, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And you're going to get three hours of credit. And so whether they want to go, probably in some cases, the boss is saying you're going right. <laughs> um, because they because they save money on the credit. And but it's really I mean, it's been phenomenal. We have one client where we've done it in, you know, Los Angeles, New York, Raleigh, Kansas City, Philadelphia, Atlanta. So how does that actually work? Like, what is it what is it like if somebody walks into that room thinking about uh, we're going to write songs together. I have no idea what this is like. And what's the outcome then? Well, so in many cases, I'm not so sure they know that they're writing a song. <laughs> um, and that, and that, and that's okay. And we, yeah, we're kind of going for the shock and awe strategy. Um, the, um, you know, it's really in three parts. And, and in most of our sessions, when we are doing songwriting, generally it's pretty, we're pretty stealth. And we tell whoever's bringing us in, uh, if, you want a higher level of participation. Uh, don't freak anybody out. Don't tell them we're writing songs. Uh, just, just tell them we're coming to do something really cool uh -huh. and fun and you don't want to miss it. And um, it's really in three parts. They, they come to the venue. Uh, we change the conversation around collaboration, really redefining it from a, an activity to a, a process that could be taught, developed, measured, and, and most importantly, shared. And then we run them through an exercise to where they discover their own collaborative voice. And it is um, based on famous recording artists. And there's music involved. And so it's appealing to the visual learner, the auditory learner, the kinesthetic learner. And so people absorb it. And then they go to breakouts where they have these rock star facilitators that, have, that are just amazing, charismatic, and very brilliant people uh, leading them through this process. And then, uh, so it's just, they never really have an opportunity to, to, to balk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, is there like a guitar hero face off or anything? Well, <laughs> there's not a face off, but they get up on stage and with the help of their band leader or facilitator, they actually, uh, perform the song. And then post event, we actually have a team of producers that record the song and then we, then they send them out to their clients and the songs are amazing. I mean, we have, wow. we have hit songwriters that are facilitators in our organization that it's, I mean, we like to joke that these songs are better than they should be, but they're amazing. Mm. Very cool. And so here's the question coming from music. Do you ever have the musicians in there that are, you know, the know-it-alls and they, they like, they get too into the songwriting like the oh, you, yeah. you know, that one, like how many, how many guitarists does it take to screw in a light bulb? Oh yeah, you know, um, you know, it, it's it's so funny because uh, when we first started, we had a little bit of a blind spot, which was, oh, cool, if there's a musician, it'll be an asset. Well, we had to train our people very quickly on how to deal <laughs> with musicians because what what happens with the musician is, you know, the the dynamic, at least the way I perceive it behaviorally, is, wow, I'm in front of this real rock star, and I want to show him or her that I'm like them. And so I'm now going to start, you know, when someone starts throwing out like, well, I think we should go to the discord and the diminished whatever and start speaking all that to like sort of um, posture a little bit. And um, it's generally we kind of bring some very gentle awareness to the idea that, 
wow, we're excluding everybody else in the conversation. <laughs> and, and they usually cool out. And then usually we uh, just wind up telling uh, rock and roll stories at the, at, the, at the bar to satisfy their, you know, scratch that itch for them. Well, yeah, I definitely see that must be an interesting process. And I'm sure you definitely had a learning curve there. Uh, figuring out how to handle those musicians. We know what they are like. Uh, but you mentioned something earlier, and I wanted to circle back to it. It's called the Collaborative Harmony Index Diagnostic. I will not say that three times fast, but t- tell us what that is and how do you use it? So the uh, so we call it the CHI or the CHI. See, see what I did there? Ah, oh, yeah, yes, very the nice. For, the, for, those, for those who get it, um, it's quite telling. Uh, but so the chi is really the behavioral engine of our uh, of our larger true collaboration framework and methodology, and really under the guise of effective collaboration requires uh, awareness, and it's awareness and a very pragmatic type of awareness of so how does the rest of the world hear me when I show up to work with them? And ours is based on famous recording artists. Secondly, how does one contribute most to the collaborative sound or the team dynamic? And that's really through four different what we call collaborative instruments of purpose, trust, execution, and energy. And we're, we're measuring those as almost like collaborative skills. And then the last part of it uh, identifies what we call sour notes. And sour notes are the equivalent of being behaviorally out of tune. Uh, it derails teamwork. It screws up the groove and maybe on a bad day pisses people off. That's not good. <laughs> well, no one likes yeah, that. No. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but you know, it, I, I think there's, I, I think it's really um, worthy of mention. You know, this whole collaboration thing is—it's pretty insane. The idea that we're expected to be able to work together in some meaningful fashion is nuts. Um, for three reasons: uh, one, we've we've never been taught, and you know, I, I say that, and I, I don't want to gloss over that because, holy cow, we've never been taught. And yet we are expected to do it as adults. So there's no certification. There's no major in college. There's no class that you take that says, hey, this is how you do it. You do it just like this. So that's the first reason. The second thing is there are no collaborative rules of the road. So like, you know, Adam, you and I could go anywhere in the world. And, and I've, I've done this where you can walk into a bar and they don't speak English, but you can say, let's play the blues and be flat and everyone can do it. Right. There's a framework and a language. And so, um, you know, there's, that doesn't really exist in, in, when we, uh, when we work together. And so that's been really at the core of, of, of my work. And so there's the equivalent of really collaborative car crashes going on 24 seven. And if you think about why a car crashes, okay, someone either doesn't know the rules, they blow off the rules, they don't understand the rules or they're not aware. So that really, uh, has a lot of complexity to it on a human level. And then the third thing, and this is the big one, collaboration is completely subjective. So what's collaborative to Jeannie, what's collaborative to Adam, what's collaborative to your listeners, what's collaborative to me can all be different. So who's to say? And, you, and I think that uh, adds a level of complexity that most people, teams and organizations just aren't counting, you know, really accounting for. And it shows up in really uh, false statements like, well, so-and-so is a team player or so-and-so isn't, or, wow, I'm really collaborative or I'm not, or or someone isn't. And so what we're doing is trying to really wring out all the uh, subjectivity. So it's just like, hey, here's a framework and here's how you do it. And and this is what's required uh, of you as an individual. So 
Alan, what do you think? Because this is so fascinating about how these songwriting ideas and ways to think about collaboration can really help any organization. But what do you think is one skill that a songwriter has that you could share with our listeners that we could apply to our lives that we could just think differently about in order to increase the success of our own collaborations and our own um, harmony, I guess? Uh, that's a great question. And I, and I think I also have to, to tell you, honestly, there's, there's plenty of songwriters that, that aren't great collaborators. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah. I, uh, I used to be one of them. Just ask my former band members. They still can't. Believe, <laughs> yeah, they still can't believe I do this for a living. By the way, they are just tickled silly. Um, you know, I, I think I think uh, song. I think the great songwriters are incredible communicators. They understand alignment. Mm-hmm. They are very aware, and they are uh, very open minded. And that's that's kind of tricky because most people will tell you they're open minded, and the reality, what I find is there's not that many people that really are. So open-minded, uh, for anyone listening, truly open-minded is, imagine you have an idea that you are so in love with that you just can't imagine life without that idea or thought, and someone else comes along and says, well, I think there's a better one or a different way, or I want to change this. Um, then you really go, how open-minded are you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's called pain. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Because we we fall in love with our ideas, right? Yeah, you know, we do. We do fall in love with our ideas. And it's funny, one of the things that we teach, uh, it's something called killing your darlings. And what it is, it's being able to let go of an idea so it can evolve into what it's really supposed to be. And there was a time years ago, I was working with this pretty well-to-do producer. Uh, We're in the studio working on a song called Where Are We Now? And I'm telling this guy about all the band woes I'm experiencing and how the band's falling apart. And I had this one line that was like my Bono social responsible line, right? Of like, and the line was, if you look away, you're still responsible. And I, the whole song was written around that. And so he says to me, you got to get rid of that line. And I'm like, man, you're out of your mind, dude. And, uh, (laughs) and so we're going back and forth and he goes, everything you just told me in the last 45 minutes to an hour about what's going on with your band, that's the line. So he's like, get your blank out into the, you know, into another room and go, don't come back in until you got the line. So I'm throwing out all these lines. I'm getting super pissed off. I'm calling my wife going, I'm going to fire this guy. This guy's out of his mind. I'm going to fire him. And I kept going after going out. I couldn't let go of it because that line was so important to me. And then I finally got it. And I walked in and I looked at him and I said, it doesn't matter where we've been. Let it go. And he looks at me and goes, get your blank in the booth and sing it. <laughs> but it took real patience. And I mean, I was, I was, I was pretty pissy. <laughs> you know? yeah. So we That's have a awesome. tendency to love our own ideas. And, um, but you know, the whole idea of effective collaboration is, is leveraging the collective intelligence. And so, you know, I think great songwriters are just really open-minded. I mean, one time I was in the, uh, on a vacation, uh, and my friends, it was Father's Day and it was my friend's birthday. This little girl, six years old, comes up and says, said the most brilliant line I've ever heard. And I want to write the song. She goes, my daddy is as happy as a birthday party. <laughs> nice. And I went, that is a hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's six years old and she's never written a song. 
Uh, that's a right. yeah, you right. have a future. That's a- <laughs> right. We can write for Nickelodeon. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, and it's a good reminder that I think sometimes we it's when we're not trying to make an opus, you know, like when we're just kind of living our life and going through things that we really do have those little flashes of, uh, you know, thoughtfulness and things that could really help us uh, and help others. So it's good to kind of be aware of that all the time, too, which sounds like your radar is always up for that, oh, yeah. which is cool. Oh, this was awesome. Yeah. So, oh, well, this was, yeah, this was totally awesome. I was just going to say thank you because it, it's really got my wheels turning and uh, I can't wait to you know, someday see you both oh, yeah. jam together. <laughs> yeah. I'll be a groupie. Hey, by the way, uh, for, I'd love to, uh, offer up for, for your, your listeners and your community. Uh, if you want to see how you measure up as a collaborator, uh, would love to offer up our collaborative harmony index for anybody who's, who's interested in, in, uh, in learning more about themselves and how they can be more effective, uh, when working with others to, uh, to make the pain go away. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get That's that link from cool. you. We'll put thank that you. in the show notes. And is there anywhere else uh, people can find you online, connect with you, all that good stuff? Yeah. I'm, I, I, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn and it's this Alan Schaefer. Uh, you can also find us at, uh, you know, banding And, uh, I love hearing from people. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff. And, uh, Part of what I believe my purpose is to again help people not be the the douchebag I was in the band. So uh, I'm always <laughs> I'm always happy, I'm always happy to, um, to to share what I know with anyone who's interested. You know, I'm really glad I. I- I'm well, glad you and I sort of fell, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, we had some years where we weren't connected because you were really nice in college and you're really nice now. So apparently I missed all these years where you weren't that nice. <laughs> awesome. no, no, thanks. And, 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 you know, I'd like to leave you guys with one other thing to think about and, you know, relative to kind of customer centricity, you know, the real reason for putting in the work to become, a, you know, more collaborative internally in your organization is I fundamentally believe if you want to get to that external uh, engaged customer state, I think you got to do the work inside first because you show up differently for your customers. Well, that is perfect. That well, We'll use that as our drop the mic moment. All right. Drop thanks so mic. much, Alan, man. It was great having you here. <laughs> oh yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Alan. Jeannie, I'm feeling more harmonious. Well, that's good to hear. I'm feeling more open-minded. That is definitely good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) You walked right into that one. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about how studying something like how a band operates, either successfully or not, can really apply to any organization. That's really, you know, it really got my wheels turning to think about that and to think about how we define collaboration even like what does that mean it might mean different things and we need to acknowledge that right it's different things to different people and every you know bandmate has an individual relationship with every other bandmate mm-hmm. right so collaboration mm-hmm. between the guitarist and the bass player is not the same as between the guitarist and the drummer to just take the analogy all the way down field and but that's the same in <laughs> wow our, that's the same in our mixed metaphor there <laughs> you, you know Jenny. If you can't if you can't mix your metaphors, you can't mix your drinks. That's the way I look at it. But either way, uh, you know, truly, I mean, on a serious note, that is what happens in our organizations, right? It's not just there's not this one standard of collaboration in life, but there's not even this one standard in collaboration on teams. Right. Right. And everybody and collaborates I lo- differently. 
I really liked what he said at the end there about, you know, you do have to do the work inside internally in order to really connect externally. And that's true on so many levels and in any organization. And it's just, it's a great thing for people to apply to their own organizations. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a great, uh, great discussion, some really good insights. And I think we've done the work internally here, Jeannie. I think we have too. And you've done the work as our listeners. So thank you, listeners, for listening to Crack the Customer Code. If you haven't yet subscribed, what are you waiting for? Our subscribers get newly released episodes immediately and our undying gratitude, which, I mean, that's super meaningful, I think. Right? Right, what, what, What else is there? (laughs) (laughs) crack the customer code is a proud member of c-suite radio be sure to check out all the great business content at c-suiteradio.com and c-suitetv.com i'm Jeannie walters and you can learn more about me and our trademarked customer experience investigation process and more at experienceinvestigators.com and i'm adam tabork and you can learn more about me our customer service workshops my keynote speaking at customers at and our new virtual training at how to deal with difficult customers.com until next time take care of yourself and take care of your customers This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.